It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension? There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero Science and Solutions show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, remotely of course, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at 3cr.org.au. Both the BZE Community Show and the show are now available on iTunes and Stitcher, so please subscribe and rate us to help others find the shows. My name is Kay Winnigle, and as you may know, I love all things to do with electric vehicles. In the news recently, there was an electric bus that was being trialled in Brisbane uh, that's been built in Victoria. We know that there are a number of buses being trialled all around the Australia, you know, Western Australia, South Australia, ACT, Victoria, Brisbane. But this one is a little bit different in terms of the way that they're rolling it out. This bus is going to be recharged by a purpose-built array of batteries and its batteries are fed by solar panels on the depot's roof. That means that the electric bus is 100% solar powered, which will be an Australian first when it starts. It has a range of over 300 kilometres and it will carry over 60 passengers sitting and standing. The interesting thing about it was that it actually is being modified to make it go a little bit slower so that it doesn't jolt passengers around because electric motors have very high torque and a very fast startup. This bus has to be modified to make it go slower, which of course makes it go a little bit more efficiently as well. In another interesting development, Michael Cannon-Brooks, the Atlassian co-founder, just this week mentioned that he'd been talking to Elon Musk about an offer to build a big battery near the Liddell coal plant near Newcastle. This comes on top of the Prime Minister threatening to build a gas power plant there to support the grid once the Liddell coal plant is shut down. As listeners would know, Michael Cannon-Brooks, of course, is backing the massive Sun Cable project along with Andrew Forrest, and they're looking at the building the world's biggest solar plant backed by what will be the world's biggest battery, 20 to 30 gigawatt hours, that could supply power to Singapore. AGL is already planning to build a 500 megawatt battery in the Hunter Valley to be installed in stages, and it would be one of the largest storage systems in Australia. Okay, let's get on to our main story of the day, a new vehicle-to-grid charging product. In Australia, we have the Nissan LEAF, which is the first electric vehicle to offer two-way charging here. And now we have a Melbourne-based company, Rectifier Technologies, which has just unveiled its first two-way electric vehicle charger. That will allow homes and businesses to not only charge an EV, but also sell excess power back to the grid. Paul Davies, the Operations Manager at Rectifier Technology, joins me today. Hello, Paul. Great to have you on the show. Nice to be here. Paul, first of all, tell us about your company, Rectifier Technologies. 
Yep. So Rectifier Technologies has been around um, since 1992 for about 27 years. And so we are a publicly listed company specialising in high efficiency power electronics uh, conversion products. So we've got groups in Australia, Malaysia and Singapore. So the headquarters are here in Australia and we focus on research development and administration in Australia. In Malaysia, we have our manufacturing plant and in Singapore, our sales office. So we've always been involved in charging technology and switch mode high efficiency technology. And particularly, we kind of started in the telecommunications space, moved into uh, utilities and then more recently moved into the electric vehicle space, which is a natural extension of, of the technology that we have. Your vehicle-to-grid product, it's called the Highbury Slimline Bidirectional Charger. That's correct, yes. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so that's a product that we're in the process of developing, which is really uh, focused around providing a resource for homes and for semi-private installations where an EV can be parked and there is the possibility of then exporting energy out of the EV uh, to support the grid. So you mentioned that you got into the EV space recently, I presume in the last, what, few years or so? Yes, yes, correct. Yes, it's probably longer than, than I remember, but, um, uh, but certainly we, we got into that space by providing uh, power electronics to um, other charging companies, and that's uh, kind of uh, was our introduction into the EV space. I remember you revealed the product to your shareholders in 2018, yes. and you were hoping to have it on the market by late 2019, so there's been a bit of a delay there. Yes, look, um, we would like to um, have had the product into the market but by that time, but what we've found is that the market is evolving and so uh, the technology is evolving um, and so there's been various um, uh, design iterations around that. Um, you know, some of the challenges that we face is that the, the European V2G standard hasn't been released and it continues to get delayed um, uh, the latest estimate is that there'll be public releases of that um, draft by the end of this year but um, it, it's something that's uh, that keeps on moving um, and so uh, our development is evolving as the uh, the market evolves well that's interesting and let's get back to that later mm. um, I guess if you'd released the product earlier there wouldn't have been a car that could utilize that service so no. <laughs> the delay wasn't a concern really yeah. But you hope to have the unit operational by 2021 and you just mentioned about the certification. Is there a certification here in Australia? Yes, so look, essentially there's multiple levels of certification. In some ways, there are the usual certifications that are required in terms of safety, functional safety, which uh, follow the, either the US or the European standards and, and Australia follows those. But probably of more interest is the Grid Connect. And so the standards that will be followed there are the same standards that will follow, that uh, solar inverters follow. So the Grid Connect in Australia, AS4, 
777 would be the standard for the grid connection. And then on the other side, there's certification that's required in terms of the automakers because you can't simply withdraw power from a car without being approved by automakers. So, for example, Nissan has a, a certification process that you need to go through before you're allowed to pull um, energy out of a car. Does that mean that you need certification for each uh, manufacturer? Possibly so. Look, at, at this stage, the only vehicle, V2G vehicle, that's um, commercially available at this stage is the Nissan Leaf, and that uses the Char Demo uh, standard, which is very centred around the Japanese auto makers. What will happen with the European standards is yet to be known. I mean, the standard is still being put into place. What has happened in the past with the European standard is that they hold what What's called test events and essentially you turn up to the test event the automakers turn up to the test events and basically you go through a couple of days of trialing your product with their product and sorting out issues and we've been to several uh, test events with our unidirectional uh, charger that's for the european standard Whereas the Japanese Char Demo standard, there is a, a very uniform certification process. So the European standard is the CCS2 standard? Correct, yeah, or the CCS standard there. Um, so the Europeans have CCS2 and the Americans have CCS1. And really the variation of that is in uh, the plug that's used. But the protocol in terms of talking to the car is the same. With your unit, then, you need to have the protocol for each manufacturer and then physically you need to have an, another inverter that feeds back into the grid as well as the inverter that uh, charges the car. Is that right? Chargers basically have two parts. There's the AC input side, which we call um, a power factor correction stage, and then you have a DC to DC side, which then takes the power and then puts that into a car. With a bi-directional charger, both those parts need to have energy flow that flows in both directions. And you need to be able to switch between them? Yes, that's correct. Yep. Um, and so there's, there's the communications protocols um, and the user applications which allow that to be, be managed. Um, in terms of each car manufacturer, each car manufacturer will implement in the European and American case with the CCS, they'll implement the same standard. But as we've found with the unidirectional charger, there's always little quirks that each auto manufacturer has in their particular model and those uh, quirks need to be need to be resolved through uh, these test events <laughs> there's no such thing as a standard standard is there no 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 it's quite a complex process i can imagine that i i remember with the hdmi standard for audio visual equipment that when that was first introduced it took over five years for it to become standardized so that you can just plug and play Yes, and that, and that will happen in this industry. And so initially what will happen with the V2G standard, which is um, an extension of the existing protocol standard, which is ISO 1511.8-2, uh, and that will become dash 20. So that protocol will be released. People will, will start to implement that. And then the refinements of that will happen over a period of time. Currently, your product has to meet two standards. 
the feeding into the grid, which is the Australian standard, and the vehicle charging certification, which is the GDMO standard. What will change when the European standard comes along? So currently, there's different levels of certification. So as I said, that there's certification in terms of connecting to the grid. And so each region has its own grid codes. Um, and so that's the same with solar inverters. Solar inverter manufacturers have to um, get their products certified to those different grid codes. On the car side of things, at the moment, it's kind of like the beta VHS situation where you've got the Japanese standard, which is Char Demo. And so the Nissan Leaf is the uh, the main car that implement uh, Char Demo, um, Mitsubishi as well, but in Australia, mainly the Nissan Leaf. And that's the only commercially available um, V2G capable car. So what will happen is that uh, when 1511-820 for the European standard is released, we'll implement that. So it's the same power electronics, but the protocol to talk to the car will, will evolve. So if you buy a unit now, for instance, if you could buy a unit now, yes. what would that mean when that changes in the future? What that'll mean is that you'll need to buy another unit because you'll buy a, a unit that is specifically for the car that you have. So at the moment, um, the first units that we'll be releasing will have the Chardemo plug and the Chardemo protocol and that matches the Nissan Leaf and then in the future we'll have product which will have the char demo uh, sorry have the CCS plug and the CCS protocol um, and then the matching cars so really the the rollout of V2G CCS cars the automakers are still in the stage of trialing and prototyping their vehicles so I wouldn't expect to see um, mass production of those until the end of next year or the year after that I think. Which is when your product the hybrid yes, will be correct. released. Correct yep. How much can the unit supply to the grid? Basically, our first release will be what's called a single phase unit and so that's a seven kilowatt unit and then on our roadmap will be a three-phase unit which will allow seven sorry 11 kilowatts to be put back into the grid and that's really more targeted at the European market where there um, is a lot more three-phase into homes. Whereas here in Australia there are a lot of homes that are single phase. That's correct I mean that's that's the majority of the of the market in Australia um, and in the US is single phase and so that's that's what we want to target here. If you've just tuned in we're talking to Paul Davies operations manager at Rectifier Technologies. The real problem to me seems to be that it's more the capacity of the connection from the house to the grid that is an issue rather than the capacity of your unit. Is that like the, the limitations that are currently placed on rooftop solar in terms of how much you can feed back into the grid? Absolutely. It's exactly the same issues because essentially this is the same concept as uh, rooftop solar putting exporting energy back into the grid. So all the issues that you see with rooftop solar and exporting energy into the grid will be the same issues that are faced with bidirectional charging. And I guess owners, EV owners, will be made aware of that fact or it'll become more obvious as the units become commonplace? Oh, I think so. I think um, the whole market needs to become more informed about how this technology can be utilised. 
And so it requires the utilities to be more aware of this technology, um, the users to be more aware of this technology. So, I mean, there'll be benefits for the, the homeowners, um, but there'll also be benefits for um, grid operators in terms of the extra grid support that um, these uh, units will be able to provide. Can you tell us about those benefits? So I guess there's, there's two types of, of benefits. There's uh, peak shaving. That's where um, you can reduce the demand on the, the grid by using some of the energy that's in the battery of your car. And so that that's, takes away uh, the need for the grid to, to generate and produce energy. The other support is um, what's called independent management of, what's a, a simple way of putting this? So... So one of, one of the issues um, when you're exporting power and in the, um, uh, the utilities face um, uh, is the management of line voltages. Um, and so uh, an intelligent um, system like ours can do what's uh, called autonomous grid support. So by adding and removing inductance and capacitance, you can change the, you can raise and lower the voltage that's on the grid and that, that greatly assists um, the utilities. Oh, that's very clever. So you can manage the voltage fluctuations. Yes, yeah. So all the, um, basically the standards that are coming out for uh, solar inverters as well are requiring them to be able to autonomously support the grid. So to notice that the grid is sagging and then for them to respond to that by adding inductance and capacitance to, to raise the grid voltage or, or decrease it. So it's not just FCAS and peak demand services that you can offer, it's, it's also the voltage control. Yes, absolutely, yes. So you mentioned that there are other units on the market. Is this here in Australia or are you the first to offer it in Australia? Um, no, we won't be the first ones to offer it in Australia. There's um, other products that are, that are on the market in Australia but they're at a very preliminary stage um, of entry into the market. And really what we're seeing is a lot of companies trialling products and setting up trials. And so as we develop our products, um, we want to be entering into trials with various companies to, to seed the market with V2G charges. Are you the only manufacturer in Australia for the product? Um, yes, yes. We, um, uh, in terms of uh, V2G products, uh, we believe that we, we are the sole supplier of, of those. Given that there's only one electric vehicle that offers two-way charging, yep. how do you see your market developing here? Look, I see as more vehicles become available, particularly from the European and Korean manufacturers, that market demand will grow. So initially it will be about educating the market and helping the market understand the benefits of V2G. Really, essentially what you've, you've got is a battery on wheels. So rather than uh, just investing in battery storage at home, um, you're investing in battery storage as well as a, a mode of transport. And so the return on investment improves in that scenario. So really it's uh, to be a part of creating the market in Australia and also worldwide. Um, our, 
uh, our focus is not just on Australia, it's on the worldwide market as well. Well, that worldwide market for vehicle to grid is forecast to reach a staggering $25 billion, Australian dollars, by 2027. Yes, it's a huge, huge numbers. But uh, at this stage, it's really what, what we're seeing is uh, trials that are happening around the place as people really explore and understand how this technology can uh, bring benefits to uh, consumers as well as to the grid. And there are trials here in Australia too, I understand. And also AGL has just announced a scheme where it will provide homeowners with an EV and charger, plus things like insurance and registration, Yes. for a fixed weekly charge, which reduces the EV price sticker shock. Are these yeah. types of schemes going to become more common in the future? And are you involved in looking at similar arrangements so that V2G units are installed rather than standard charges? Yeah, look, we, we're happy to, to talk to utilities and to all sorts of companies to work out ways in which this technology can be deployed into, into the market. I think once the utilities um, realise the benefits that this technology can bring to them, I think that they'll bring incentives to the market so that people will increase the uptake of the technology. But at this stage, it's really, really early stages where the technology is is uh, just emerging and uh, people are really starting to learn about its benefits. Can you tell us where the standards will change in terms of once most electric vehicles will be able to offer two-way charging, vehicle-to-grid charging, will that mean that your product will become the standard? Yes, look, I think that it will make sense to have bi-directional chargers when you have bi-directional cars. That will be an additional benefit to consumer when they're buying an EV. It'll make more economic sense to have a bi-directional charger because then you're able to utilise the, the benefits of uh, supporting your house and also selling power back to the grid. So will unidirectional chargers become redundant? No, I think unidirectional charges in the public space will remain because people will still want to be able to charge their car in case of a long trip or something like that. And so the larger capacity charges will remain uh, unidirectional because essentially if you're travelling from Melbourne to Sydney and you need to charge somewhere and you stop and you use an ultra charger to give your car a boost along that way, there's not the sense for bidirectional. Whereas um, if you're looking at in a, a a commercial setting where you've got a fleet or you're in a home setting, it then makes commercial sense to have bi-directional charges where you can put energy back into the grid. And if all of Australia's cars were electric, the battery capacity of 19 million vehicles, which Australia has at the moment, is likely to exceed 1,800 gigawatt hours. That's equivalent to more than 10,000 Tesla big batteries. Yep, that's that's Australian huge. batteries. Yep. Or five of the new Snowy 2 hydroelectric projects. Yep. On the way to getting to that point, EV batteries will really help ease the issues like FCAS and peak demand and voltages, as you've just described. Yep, yep, yep. If magically one day we woke up and everyone had an EV and everyone wanted to export that power 
into into the grid that would create huge challenges for the utilities and so they they will need to coordinate and oversee how that energy is put into to the grid so that really requires um, I guess our governments and our utilities to work together to ensure that we can take the uh, the advantage of having all that capacity in the system. Is that happening at the moment or is it too early? I think it's too early I think there's conversations that are that are being had but really, I think governments need to, I guess, understand more the potential of this, this technology and then uh, support the utilities in terms of creating that, that environment in which we can get the best advantage out of that technology. In terms of the opportunities for EV owners, they could actually take their car to work and charge it up during the day whilst there's a very low demand and a huge amount of wind and solar, and then go home and sell that power back into the grid when there's peak demand at night time. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. That's uh, one of the advantages for the homeowner is, is that they can sell excess power or they can reduce their power bill by uh, going home and uh, using some of that energy to support their home in the, in the evening. So they could do whichever... Yeah, which, whichever, one, whichever one makes economic sense. But, I mean, essentially what you would do is that you wouldn't use all the energy in your car because you still want to be able to drive places. Um, but what you want to be able to do is use some of that energy where it makes sense to support your home or to sell that back into the grid if it's uh, financially conducive to do that. Is that something that electric vehicle manufacturers will need to look at as well to have the software that's capable of managing that situation where too much power may be drawn from the vehicle? No, I mean, that's, that's part of the, the V2G standards where there's communication between the car and the charger to prevent that from occurring. As long as you're not deeply discharging the vehicle every night to, to sustain your home and you're just taking a small amount out of the car, it won't adversely affect the lifetime of the battery and the warranty of the car. How is the unit being trialled at the moment? Our unit um, is still under development, so it's in our uh, R&D centre where we uh, are continuing the development of the product. Uh, so it's not wild, uh, widely available for trials, but we're looking to find trial partners to then take the, the unit to wider testing. If people want to find out more about the product, then they're welcome to go to our website, rectifiertechnologies.com, and as information becomes available, we'll post it there. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Paul. Lovely to talk to you. I've been speaking to Paul Davies, Operations Manager at Rectify Technologies. The Beyond Zero Science and Solutions show is brought to you by the climate change solutions think tank, Beyond Zero Emissions, and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the community radio network. Previous episodes of the show are available on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you subscribe, it will help others find the show. If you enjoy our program and can donate to help cover airtime costs, please go to the BZE website and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again next week.
Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.